Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello listeners and welcome to episode 29 of the From the Finney podcast. I'm back at home this week for the first time uh, in a quite bare and holy house. Um, so if I sound echoey and also if you can hear a wind chime then obviously it's very windy outside. But yeah, Jimmy and Brownie are back with me. We'll be discussing the Reading game, we're going to answer a few listener questions and we've got a few other topics to talk about as well, so enjoy. Jim, good to have you back on, how are you? Yeah, good to be back. Um, yeah, good. You're just uh, busy with life at the moment, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, couldn't be with you for a couple of weeks, but delighted to be back. Shame it's under the circumstances of yesterday, but we'll uh, come on to that shortly. Yeah, we will. Brownie, no hangover today? No, no, all good. Um, Did you end up should've... driving yesterday? Yeah, I drove, yeah. It was um, it was all right by the time I got to Preston. The sun was out and it was all, it was all <laughs> fine, wasn't it? I think they did a great job sorting the pitch out and... Shame he didn't get called off. <laughs> I think. Yeah, yeah, I think looking back, it's probably one that people wouldn't have had too many gripes about if it was called off. Yeah. So before we crack on, as I say at the start of every episode, if you want to support us here at From the Finney, you can do. Uh, just head over to supporter.acast.com forward slash From the Finney. Oh, Jim's Jim's bit. So. If you're listening on, yeah, you you always used to bring it up, didn't you? So when I see Apple Podcasts, I just think Jimmy. Given the irony there, because you don't actually have an iPhone. Oh, mate. Um, yeah. So if you if you have got an iPhone and you're listening on Apple Podcasts, then you can leave us a review on there. Uh, and if you're listening on Spotify and a mobile device as well, you can leave us a rating on there. Boys, I just need to apologise before we crack on. If you can hear a wind chime or I sound very echoey, it's because of the current situation in my house and outside of my house so if you can just ignore that that would be great you've many things to apologize for on this podcast today jay coates <laughs> so if that's if that's the start of it it's only gonna get worse <laughs> and you know what i'm bringing up i'm bringing up two big things today because you've oh, made two big go. errors this week big errors you're gonna apologize for your prediction and cursing our result yesterday what my prediction we all predicted a win no, 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 no. I, I've got some quotes from last week's podcast, oh, which I put straight in our group when, listen, because obviously I listened to the podcast on Monday morning, and as soon as I listened to it, my heart sank, and I just knew what was coming yesterday. Shall we find these quotes, Jake? Jim, you do know football doesn't work like that. No, 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 it does, because you've cursed us. <laughs> Quote Jake Oates, should be a guaranteed win. It'll be good for goal difference. They're not scoring, Reading. Jake. As soon as I heard it, I literally put it in our group. I'm like, are you 
trying to wind me up. I'm like, it's worked so if yes- that was my goal. Absolutely. <laughs> so yesterday's defeat is completely at your front door. Thanks, mate. Yeah, anytime. Not bad. I just knew what was going to happen. I was listening to the pod. You know, I was like, no, no, he's not said that. <laughs> I'm like, you can't to say that. To be fair, I did, I did retract the uh, red and aren't scoring bit about 30 seconds later when I realised that they were actually scoring. I probably turned off at that point in disgust. I was like, no, he's not just said that. Um, but yeah, so also, that's first. I think I think Adam and Sam both agreed with me in the most part. Yeah, I am staying out of this, Jake. They're both getting getting off very lightly. (laughs) You led them astray. You're hosting this podcast and you led the two guests astray. I was like, he's not said that. I was like, no, no, Jake. But anyway, did we talk about yesterday? Yeah, uh, as much as I don't really want to, but it was the definition of a slow start, wasn't it? 1-0 down inside two minutes and then 2-0 down inside, what, 18, 19 minutes? Yeah, it was 70 seconds, weren't it? It was 69 and 70 seconds when they scored the goal. Um, oh, it's just, it's just Carlo isn't it? You know, we, we should clear it in the first instance. Probably shouldn't even give away the corner away, to be fair, when I watched it back this morning. Um, it was a little bit poor from us, chances to clear the ball. And then, obviously, Harrison's probably should do better with the first phase of when the ball's coming to the box he's probably it back into the middle and he's made two good saves and it's like bang 1-0 it's like of course it's Lucas Jow of course it's Lucas Jow um, so yeah and you know what if, it, if we rewind the clock probably 10 minutes back earlier than that the atmosphere was good you know you could tell like having fans on four sides of the ground was making an impact you know it felt like oh, sounds alright today feels like in a good place and then Football started and you can see it in 70 seconds and you sort of kill the atmosphere. It was so flat at times yesterday, despite fans being on all four sides of the ground. It felt really morgue-like at times. It was silent, deathly silence at times in that first half. Like, wow. not help though, was it, by what was going no, on the pitch? No, of course. But there, was, there, was like, there was moments where the the crowd would try and get behind the the lads and try and g them up and and like you say having fans on all four sides of the ground it it did sound good and then yeah. it just fall completely silent you could hear a pin yeah. drop and the football plays a massive part in that you know you can't concede after seventy seconds and think that everything's okay you know and to be fair to the the fans you know they tried to g them up at that point but as soon as the second goal goes in and you sort of kill it it was completely flat until half time for me at that point apart from Emil's chance and you know the club and everyone have done a lot of work in terms of like to generate atmosphere and publicity for the game and I was a little bit disappointed we only got 12 and a half on in terms of home fans yesterday you know despite everything that has happened this week and you know you have opportunities as a football club to bring supporters back into the ground you know People that might have been people's first game of the season, etc. And to be three 0 down after an hour, bloody hell! You know, talk about shooting ourselves in the foot. To be fair, from an off the pitch point of view, in terms of the club, they couldn't have done much more. It was no, of course, disc- discounted ticket, open the cops, flag day, um, yeah. and then you get it. I think you said it in the group chat, didn't you? Someone said said it to me at the ground yesterday. It was the most Preston North End thing that you could imagine. Yeah, first twenty minutes. That is that's peak Preston North End. That everyone's g'd up, everyone's buzzing. You know, I walked up to the ground yesterday. I was walking down the avenue. You know, people everywhere. Walked 
past the fan zone, it was bouncing, people queuing up for it, potato man, you know, all that, all the things around the ground. Couldn't fault it yesterday. And then as soon as we concede after 70 seconds, you think, ah, got a problem here. I think for that, I think the the club the club did do the best they can, but a couple of things played its part in the the weather for a start, which was horrendous right up until kickoff. And then the ticket deal was was announced quite late on when you actually think about it. So a lot of people may have already made plans and that type of thing that before it happened. But outside the ground, like Jimmy said, I thought it was going to be over 15,000 on it, but it seemed mm-hmm. like a real buzz outside. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the away fans usually bump up the crowd a little bit and Reading didn't bring that many, which is understandable. Um, but yeah, I, I think the club did the best, but a few things just, just played its part, um, which is... Unfortunate, really, when you go 2-0 down after 20 minutes, it's hard then, isn't it? <laughs> what, what can the club do then? They've done their bit. It's, it's the players and the manager, isn't it? I think, you know, looking at the game itself, I, I think we had too many players yesterday that just weren't on it, you know, and, uh, you know, look at the past week, they've had a week off, you know, they had a couple of days off earlier in the week. I mean, Ryan Lund must be pulling his hair out at that point, thinking, like, I've given you that time off, you know, and you've put in that sort of first half an hour, just like, just an unacceptable level. A performance, he must be absolutely going mad in that change room at half time. I think he, he got it wrong tactically, which is why he changed it. But you you can't do much for when you know players that you look to for a performance and look to lead you can't even string a simple pass together. Under hit passes, over hit passes, yeah, like passing passing to Reading players, not even over hit or under hit, just not finding a man. But saying that, like. No one had an issue before the game in terms of team selection or tactic. You know, I, I looked at him like that's fine. You know, it's probably expected to be fair. You know, after one defeat in eleven, you know, Josh Hill was always going to drop out. Quite surprised he wasn't in the eighteen. I'm guessing he's got a knock of some description. Don't think it's. I don't think he's been dropped completely. As, as frustrated as Ramlow probably was at Peterborough with it. Uh, I think you. I don't think you're onto the right thing there. I asked him after the game about Josh Hill, and he just said tactical. That was it. All right, okay, fair enough. One, one word. Right, okay, that's fair enough then. Um, so, if that's the case, then fair enough. Um, he probably did need taken out the firing line because he's had a few poor games, if we're honest. You know, Peterborough, just nowhere near the level expected. Um, you know, and that's despite Ryan Lowe, you know, trying to coach him and encourage him to get forward and beat a man. You know, I think the one thing yesterday, I, I was... Scott Sinclair's come in for quite a bit of criticism yesterday, which I'm, I'm a little bit sceptical of because at least he's tried to make things happen. He's tried to get forward. Defensively, he's put a shift in. There's the chance that he's created for Emil Reese later in the second, in the first half where he's he's been absolutely shoulder barged off the ball fairly by Baba Rahman. But then he's chased it down. You know, it's, it's like that was the moment that gave Scott Sinclair that bit of a boost into life. You know, and he's chased it down. He's put it on a plate for a meal. We'll talk about that chance in a minute. But, you know, for me yesterday, like, I had no issue how we set up tactically yesterday. The players have sort of let him down for me that first half an hour before he's had to change it. You know, for and whether that's, um, I, I suppose, them being unmotivated or just think it's, it's Reading, you know, it's going to be a walk in the park and they've been, you know, surprised by how good they were in spells yesterday, very well set up, very well structured, good shape, you know, worked hard for each other off the ball. Um, the lad alongside um, drink water that, is it Rinomota? Um, them two alongside Swift, just just 
controlled the game. You know, Swift nullified Whiteman and then Rinomoto and, and Drinkwater just locked on to Brown and DJ and just gave us nothing in the mid- midfield. And they won every, it felt like they won every 50-50. They picked everything up, you know, so we just could never get going, never got our foot on the ball. And there's just too many players at a four, five, six out of 10 yesterday when you need more than that. You know, you need more energy, you need more movement, you need more options. And at times at Potsy or Sep had the ball or Hughes and there was just nothing happening in front of him yesterday. It was really concerning for me. And that's, Randall got it right post-match. That first half an hour was not a Preston North End performance, you know. So when you've got, you can get away, and I think I'll even mention this about 18 months ago and it's something that always stuck me. You can get away with one or two that are playing poorly and sort of square pegs round holes, if you want to call it that. When you've got a couple of square pegs round holes and then you've got four or five of your players not performing on the day, in the Championship, you're going to get punished. You know, and Reading, uh, yeah, the, the fourth bottom. But that wasn't a side that yesterday played like a side that were fourth bottom, if that makes sense. Don't run the ropes at 3-2. I thought, Christ, if one team's going to try and win the game here, it might be us. But they nullified it. That last 15 minutes really well, managed the game well, you know, got into the corners with Jow and just killed the game off. You know, just didn't give us a sniff. I, I think we allowed them to play in the first half. And that's, it's not for the first time. When you look at the Bristol City game, it was very familiar to that. Um, the Sheffield United game, before the sending off, we were poor, very poor at home. Um, so it's not it's not something new or to be surprised of. What, what surprised me yesterday was Reading in horrific form the fans protesting outside a bus the other day, stopping them leave. Why wouldn't we get at them from the first minute? You know, like even if just turn the ball over, get them facing backwards, put them under pressure, that type of thing, rather than just trying to play the same way. And we kind of allowed them a lot of sideways passes, a lot of backwards passes. As soon as they won the ball, they were straight onto us. And it kind of gave them confidence, really, when in reality, a team in such poor form you've got to be getting at them straight off. And I think it's a bit of a concern for me that that the way we're starting home games at the minute is um, it's not... And Lowe can come out and blame the players and say, well, you know, that wasn't a performance in the first half for a Preston North End, but it's happened a few times now. So, you know, it's Mm. not... might not necessarily be the players. It might be something the way we're we're approaching the games. 13 first halves and the low. Two goals scored, six conceded. So, you, you know... That's just nowhere near the level, is it? Really, two goals scored in 13 first halves. Come on, I was gonna I say mean, this for listener questions in part two, but Ollie, Ollie sent in a question before. And seeing as we're talking about what we are, I'll ask it now. But he's asked, Do you think we're too rigid slash predictable from the off? I think there's only one answer to it, really. But well, I think we are, yeah, because I mean, I mean, yesterday, for example, like. Isn't, the strikers weren't really running into the channels that much. I mean, Reese is quite effective out in the channels, but it was kind of all, everyone was static up front. And that's why it was similar to the Bristol City game, where at times you've got everyone stood in a line over the halfway line and no movement at all, um, no variation to the way that we play. And it's only until we seem to bring Chad Evans on that we kind of mix it up a little bit. And Ledson as well, who can penetrate passes forward. Um, that we kind of mix it up, but until then we kind of wait until we go down and then and then look to change it rather than mixing it up in the in the game itself. Because Whiteman can do similar passes to what Ledson can do. It's it's the instruction and the the um, and the way that we want to play. You know, we don't need to make substitutions to change to change that way, do we? No, 
on the subs, I thought Pochi was unlucky. You know, that's purely tactical, and you couldn't, you, you know, Ched had his arm around him at half time, you know, walking off, you know, trying to give him that like, What Ched probably brings to the dressing room, I think a lot of people don't see, but I think he's probably that bit of a leader in there. You know, when he came on yesterday, he's the one that's absolutely rallying people up, you know, putting himself about there and sort of leading by example, which we sort of lacked, to be fair, before he came on. You know, someone set the game by the scruff of the neck and say, oh, come on, let's take this game to him. You know, and I think we missed that yesterday. And don't be wrong, I don't, I'm not going to say Ched's the, the ultimate answer, but Emil's carrying a knock, you know, I think Lo said last week. Just looked, he just wasn't on the game yesterday, was he, Emil? Let's be fair to him. Uh, that chance, I mean, oh, I hope it's took a bobble. That's the only thing. I, I can't. I can't tell on the replay, but I hope to God it's a bubble because what the hell, you know? I genuinely thought it was going to put the museum window through. You know, that little glass box in the museum because it was that far off target. I thought, how has he done that? You know, it's like it, that Wickham one last season, on it. I just don't get how he's done it. I'm like, how? How? How has that gone that high and wide of the goal from six yards out? I'm like, I think the what? thing with Emil is he doesn't doesn't seem to possess any finesse it, it's like absolutely thunder twat it or nothing yeah yeah and you just want that bit of composure in front of goal that's yeah. the bit the little bit of composure like I the mean, chef united the, equalizer at their place leathered it the goal yeah. against swansea the the worldie leathered it like, Luton. was it yeah. who's who, who the goal they scored from out wide from about Luton, 25 yards Luton. Luton, yeah. the middles were one he showed a little bit of composure didn't he to be fair to him. Um, but apart from that, yeah, you're right, Jake. But that, that chance came from us putting them under a bit of pressure. You know, Sinclair went and challenged them. That was kind of like the first time in the whole game that we'd actually put them under pressure. And, and this is a team that are, are really low on confidence. I just think we just we just let them, you know, we gave the game away in the first half, for me. Yeah. Just gave ourselves too much to do. Um, you know, second half. I mean, when he put Ledson on, I mean... Whiteman was just my marked out of the game. You know, he was just completely nullified by Swift. Swift did an absolute job on us yesterday. Um, Do you think he's wasted at Reading? He, he needs to move in the summer, doesn't he? His contract's up, isn't it, I think? So I think he'll be... Well, he'll definitely be leaving, won't he? Yeah. It's too good. I mean, him, him and Zhao, you know, just led that team yesterday so well. Assisted um, each other for the goals, didn't they? Yeah. I mean, if you want to talk about two-man team, that's probably it. So. Yeah. Um, but you know, led to very punchy with his passes, isn't he? I mean, probably lacks that little bit of composure, a bit like Reese in a different way in terms of his passing. It can just be a bit, a little bit too excitable, you know, in terms of his passing. Um, I thought we were good last 25, 30 minutes. We just, just ran out of time, I think, to get the equaliser ultimately. Um, yeah, I think look at the stats like first drive, two shots. And none of them on target in the first half. Redden had five shots, five on target, two goals. You know, second half, I've had 16 shots. I think that's probably the most second half shots we've had in a long time. Two goals. We just seem to be very much a second half team. You know, I tweeted it last week. And I, I just think this, when you're that heavy in terms of a second half team, that, that, the summit, something's got to be tweaked or changed yeah. in terms of how we set up. You know, like people hate me mentioning this name. But when we first started playing under the old manager, that I'm not going to name anymore because I always get pelts for it. But we'd come out with blitz teams in the first 15 minutes. We'd score early goals. You would put teams on the back foot early by pressing them high and, you know, really attacking the game. 
And then the second half would be leggy, would be knackered, would concede late goals, would concede silly goals at times in the second half of games. We seem to be on the flip side of that now under Ryan but we lost the game in the first half yesterday, ultimately. And yeah, too many players off, not not the standard yesterday. Thought Daniel Iverson kept us in the game. If it ends 5 0 to Reading, you, no one could really have a complaint. You know, the save from the free kick is, is very good. Save from the resulting corner, again, it's a reaction save. You know, I know it's been cleared off the line afterwards. And there's just too many instances yesterday where you think, Phew. yeah, because we could have been dead and buried before we even scored. We should have been, and, shouldn't we? Just, yeah. on the, just on the point about um, starting slow, there's only Coventry have won more points in the league than us this season from losing positions. We've won 17 points from losing positions. Cobb have 19. Why do you think that is? Why do you think we're such a second-half team? I don't, I don't think you can put a finger on it. We've got two different managers, haven't we? So it's kind of, is it the players? I, I personally think it's just that, I think going back to Ollie's question, it's kind of, we are a little bit too predictable. There's no variation in, like, you know, just 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 throw in a press here and there. That's, you know what I mean? Just something like that in order to put someone under pressure. And there just doesn't seem to be that variation in our play at all at the minute. Um, and I presume this goes back. The stat really plays into a part with Frankie as well because we did come back a few times. Um, I can't really put your finger on it because there are two different managers, so it's kind of hard to to work out exactly what it is. Is it the personnel? Is it the character? Is it what Jimmy says in terms of we have got someone like Ched on the bench who can come on and who's probably got that little bit more experience and puts himself about a bit? Because Reese and Archer, I mean Archer, to, to a little bit more, but Reese doesn't really put himself about a bit, does he? You know, so. Have we got that option off the bench to try and change things that we haven't got from the beginning? It's maybe a bit of that. I don't know, really. Yeah. There's no real correlation. When you look at the numbers in terms of like when we're scoring goals, I mean, first half, we're behind in every every segment in terms of the 15-minute segments. You know, the teams have scored more than us in all, in all three segments. Uh, last 15 minutes of games, we've scored 10, conceded five. I think it's only, I think, six or seven teams that have scored more than us. You know, don't be wrong, there's some horrific stats in that last 15 minutes. I mean, people have conceded 24 goals in the last 15 minutes of games. I mean, it's like ridiculous no, numbers, really. really. Exactly, that. yeah. 24 Fucking goals. Hell. They've scored five, conceded 24 in the last 15 minutes of games. I mean, no wonder they're, con- like, no wonder they're dropping points. I think they did again yesterday, didn't they? 92nd minute. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I just think there's, there's something, we've just got to, I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. It's like we just can't seem to create chances in the right level of chances in first half. And yeah, that's it's clearly an issue. Right. But when it's when we've scored two in 13, last 13 first halves, you're not telling me there's not an issue that, you know, and then for us to score 14 and concede six in second halves, like we are a second half team. It's like if we're going at nil nil half time, we're sound, you know. You probably think we're going to win a game, but you can't go in two 0 down. I think you're still going to take three points. No, but you know, we just had too. Many, I don't like singling players out really, but we just had too many of them yesterday that just weren't on it. You know, I think Andrew Hughes had a decent game again. How many times we've said that this year? You know, and he's played what three different positions yesterday. He's played left centre half, left back, and then left wing back in the end. Right, dropping pillar to post. I thought Iverson had a good game. Probably there with Hughes for Man of the Match for me, but everyone else, you know, Ched did well when he came on. 
we just got to expect better. You know, in Tuesday night, big game against a team that are flying. So I was saying, Absolutely. Hughes' forward play has is, is improved massively. There's a couple of times yesterday when he was getting up and down that that wing like I'd never seen him before. He's done it all season because he's, he's overlapped a lot of times to give like a, a like an overload option on the left side. You know, and it's a shame really. You know, does Lindsay stay there and stay at left centre-half on Tuesday night? You know, because obviously we know what Forrester like in terms of wide areas, especially with Jed Spence at right wing back. You know, do do you go Spence against Hughes, and then if you get if he beats Hughes, you got Lindsay behind him. I don't know. It gives me the jitters in a way that, but I think that's what you might have to do if he's dropped up for tactical reasons. Then yeah, that's that's a little bit of a concern that to me, to be honest. Um, Low after the game made a point of saying how well Lindsay had played. So I'm, I don't know whether that's more of a a message to Pat. Maybe as if to mm. say, I was just going to say, put, put your ideas up, mate. He's, well, we may as well. In fact, before I come on to Pat, uh, just a note on Chad. Apparently, he hadn't trained all week. Uh, yeah, I've seen that. He had uh, his wife or his girlfriend, partner, whatever, uh, gave birth to a baby girl. I think in the early hours of Friday morning. But reading between the lines, I think he's been in hospital with her all week. Yeah, that's a game changer for him. That I hope he gets more sleep than I get. It sounds like he's not had a lot of work. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, Pat is um funny one, because I like Pat Bauer. I uh, was very pleased when he signed his contract extension, and I've seen an overreaction on social media from people saying that he's now the scapegoat, and it's like, well, no, like you are allowed to just criticize a player who hasn't been performing well. Like it doesn't mean that someone's a new scapegoat all of a sudden. Because let's let's face it, Pat struggled, Danny, since what Cardiff in the cup, since his new I mean, contract. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's talking about what we've got to remember with Patrick Bauer, right? Is he's coming back from a, a very serious injury. You know, he's twenty nine. He's probably lost that little bit of pace as well. He's done well for us over the, over the whole season. He's done well, right? We're, especially when we're a defensive team because the season sort of splits into two, doesn't it? When we're a defensive team and, and focused on keeping the ball out of the net and we're not really interested in attacking a lot of the time and, and counter-attacking teams under Frankie. And then since Lowe's coming, obviously it's been a lot more ball, ball, ball possession, you know, playing out from the back. Probably doesn't suit Pat as much as being a stopper, in, in essence, as, as a defender. Um, I think he's been... Okay. He's had shaky moments. And I think Sepp has as well recently. I think probably since that Bristol City game, maybe. They were, good at, they were good at West Brom. You know, I think you look at that point, that's probably the complete performance defensively. Um, I think he's been okay. He took him out for the Millwall game, then he put Lindsay in. Is it just a case of that these players are just overworked, overloaded, possibly, you know, it's... said this yesterday after the uh, post-match press, I said like to a couple of people that were there, said, do you not think it's maybe a case that there's seven or eight lads there that, barring that Millwall game, haven't really been given the opportunity to, to have a rest, haven't been rotated and 
it's just a case of it's a bit too much football in such a short space of time for some of them. Yeah, I think it just shows that little bit of lack of depth, you know, and maybe when you are winning games or not losing them and keeping clean sheets, as a manager, you don't you wouldn't want to change your back four, you know, if you include keeping your back three defenders. You know, there's no real need to because you're keeping clean sheets, you're doing all right defensively. Yeah, you might have the odd game where a player's not hitting the level in terms of performance, but do we need to chop and change? As a manager, people are going to question you more if you make the change well and if you don't. So you can sort of keep that continuity in terms of your back four together because over the whole season, that back four has been great. You know, and I think Iverson, Sepp and Andrew Hughes are our top three minutes makers. You know, Patrick's sixth um, in terms of minutes played. So I feel for Pat in a way because obviously like, we've played what, 33 games a season now, is it? Give or take. 33, I think it is, yeah. Yeah. And Bauer's played 27 of them. So he's only missed six games a season. You know, Lindsay's played, he's only appeared in eight games. You know, he probably does need a little bit of a run maybe just to get some minutes under his belt. Because if Pat or Hughes or separate gets an injury, then Lindsay's going to be straight in, if we're honest. You know, Greg's obviously out to the end of the month. Bark is out to the end of the month. You know, we're going to get injuries. We're going to get knocks throughout the season. Um, is he the scapegoat? No, he's just had a couple of bad games. He's just had a couple of bad games that's probably highlighted that he's probably a little bit out of form, probably a little bit overworked. Just That's football, you know. And yeah. when you've got a squad that's missing that little bit of depth, these things get highlighted more. You know, does he put Bambo in? I don't know. I wasn't at the I wasn't at the Rezies game last week. I didn't see how he played. Apparently, he played decent, but to level above. You know him and, um, and Mikey O'Neill were the two standout players. But, but anybody who's watched the Rezies or have been to watch a Central League game has probably said very similar to that scene. There's a couple of standout players, and everyone else is a bit of a much of a muchness that plays these games. So, what do you do? You know, Josh Hill. You know, he's played 25 games this season. You know, he's he needed that bit of a break because he was just looking like a bit out, a bit gassed, if we're honest, you know, making silly silly decisions and mistakes and ultimately nearly getting punished for it at Peter. But when he's given the ball away in sort of the first third it, in the first half, and it's like, I get the manager will be frustrated because he wants his wing-backs to be attacking, not dallying on the ball. So I get why he's took him out of the firing line, to be honest, and put someone who's more of an attacker there yesterday. Um, just on Lindsay, do you think... Do you think he does deserve a bit of a run in the team? He didn't really put a foot wrong at Millwall. Did well when he came on yesterday and Lowe made a point, like you said before, Brownie. Lowe made a point of sort of singling Liam Lindsay out for praise in the, in the post-match press. Do you think he does deserve a chance, run of games? And like you say, give Pat a bit of a breather? I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't like to take... I think the thing with Bauer is, is that he's... You mentioned the, the West Brom game, Jimmy, but that kind of suits the way... He wants to play West Brom. I think you, you're worrying with Bauer when it's a, like the second goal yesterday when someone's running at him and his mobility is not really there. So when you think, well, you put Lindsay in, well, is, it, is his mobility <laughs> enough? Mm. You know, So you're kind of replacing one with the other. And, and Bauer's great when you're defending your box. Perfect type of central defender. That's why he's in the middle and he can lead that way. When you're playing teams like, you know, what we've got, Brennan Johnson to deal with on Tuesday night. You know, are you really going to put Lindsay in for that? I don't, mm. You know, I don't know. That's the thing. I, it just for me, it just highlights that just little 
a little bit of lack of quality, you know. And I don't think it's anyone's fault either, in a way, because the way we recruited in the summer was for Frankie's system and quite defensive, you know, making sure that we're tight, you know, and try and get teams on the counter, basically. You know, we brought in Josh, Josh Murphy, you know, quick player. They wanted to play him up front. He's been injured for a couple of months. Sod's all for us, isn't it? You know, when we just need that little bit of a spark at times. And I think the the defensive issue, you know, obviously Jordan Story's going out to get minutes. Needed to. Let's be honest, he needed to get minutes under his belt because if he wasn't going to get a look in here, if he was going to be fifth choice centre-back, then you're 24 years old, you need to play. Um, so I, I just think it comes back to that really in terms of like, we've got a lot of players that have either not played a lot of minutes or when they have played minutes, they've played too many. And now they're just looking a little bit, a little bit tired. Um, and we don't really have a load, loads and loads of options to to mix up a little bit. So, um, yeah, I think next sort of, how many weeks have we got now till that? Is it loot and game in it before the international break? Because we don't play on the 19th now. So what's that, 16th of March? So we've got like three more weeks to get to. I think we've got six or seven games in that time. You know, and then we can have a proper break. We've not had one since, what, November, October, November, last international break. You know, we've been pretty active, can't we? December, lads got wiped out with COVID. You know, that affected, there's no training for a week or so. You know, so we've been playing catch up a little bit from that. I, I, yeah, we're just we're desperate for that time, really. Just just get lads rested, get them recu- recuperated, and then we've probably got 10 games, eight, maybe nine games after that point until the end of the season and just finish as high up the table as we can. Um, playoff aspirations have absolutely gone now. You know, there's too many good teams in this league. I think we're, we're, we're one place below our beloved home of 11th and West Brom are dropping like a stone. So, you know, I think we'll um, we'll finish in our spiritual home again probably this season, which, let's be honest, if you'd said in August when we did pre-season predictions, we'd finish 11th, I'd have probably told you you were a lunatic, Jake, to be honest. I think most of us predicted bottom third, didn't we? I think I said 18th. Yeah, I think most, most were around that. Unless you boys have got anything else you want to add to part one, then uh, we can go and get a brew and I'll see you in part two. Oh, mate. Sam, right, I'll be back in five. See you in a bit, boys. Welcome back to part two of the From the Finney podcast. We'll answer a few listener questions and we'll look ahead to the Forest and Coventry games as well. Boys, um, we'll go straight in. I've got one here from Big E. Good pal of yours, Jim, obviously. Uh, he's asked our thoughts on McCann being continually overlooked. It's a strange one, isn't it? Um, I thought he would have put brought him on for Whiteman yesterday, but <laughs> McCann, right, it's a strange one in the fact that when we brought him in, we brought him in to break up play, pierce some sort of mould, break up play, pass it on to someone else. Um, just hasn't really seemed to get much of a look in yet under low, um, which is a little bit of a shame, really, because the kid's clearly got a lot of potential. Um, 
I wouldn't be surprised if I saw him start Tuesday night um, against Forest. It is strange, like how he's just like nowhere near getting a, getting a kick really, apart from ten minutes here and there. Um, so yeah, I, I get it. It just feels a little bit strange bringing a twenty-two-year-old with loads of talent, and then he's not got off the bench last three games. You know, and he's he's been on the bench and just sat on the bench seven times out of those 13 games so yeah just a little bit of a weird one isn't it like I I'm just going to quick do maths in terms of like how many minutes he's actually played on the low because it can't actually be that many I think when he came on against Bristol City he did really well um, mm. he, he offers that little bit more well he did it on that game a bit more movement in midfield the last ditch tackle at the end that you know creates the goal it is a strange one. He's obviously something in there that he doesn't he doesn't see yet. Um, I mean, I, I would have brought him on yesterday. Um, so, yeah, it's a very, very strange one. But like Jimmy says, I wouldn't actually be surprised if he started on Tuesday night. I think it needs a little bit of a mix-up in there after after the first half, especially yesterday. Yeah, so think... he, played, he played the night Sorry, against Hull. He played the night against Hull. Three games ago, he's not had a kick since. He's played, he's played two full nights under low, a forty-five, a seven-minute, and then um, whatever he got against Barnsley, which was his first game, which was sixty-nine minutes. So he's, you know, he's that's never what, really th- three starts, wrong, has he? When he's when he's played, especially when he's been given like a full a full run. Do you think it's maybe? Ryan Lowe's putting his faith in his more senior midfielders and obviously one being the captain and presumably one of the vice captains in DJ. Do you think he's... he's Well, I mean, he obviously is putting his faith in them, isn't he? Yeah, and the Whiteman's such a key part of how he plays in terms of that six. Well, it'd be Brown or DJ has to drop out if McCann's come in for me. I think he do have to play Whiteman to a certain extent because of how he dictates play. Um and just, I, I just hope other teams don't do a job on him like John Swift had done him yesterday because he just completely nullified his impact on the game. Um, Whiteman's good when he's got time and space. Should he look for bet, more time and space? If, if he's getting my marks out of the game, who can fulfil that role? You know, because surely, you know, he probably falls to one of the defenders, to be honest, to be able to step into that role, um, you know, to create space. Um, so, yeah. A little bit of a, not is it a concern? Possibly a little bit of a concern, like in terms of if a, t- if a team locks on 3v3 midfield and man locks out the game, how do we create? Because when we're missing Whiteman, DJ and Brown, you know, we're relying on our wide areas and to create opportunities and you're relying on Potts and Sinclair to create. That that gives me a problem. You know, Potts was it, picking it up too deep yesterday and then Sinclair was too high and we couldn't yeah. get him in the game. So it was just, we were a little bit lopsided. That first half. Yeah, but come back to McCam. Probably needs to run a game, doesn't he? 22 year old, you know, especially being an international like he is. Um, to only have three starts and two sub appearances in those thir- first 13 games, you, you think. And one of them was completely out of position at right wing back as well at, um, against Barnsley. Yeah, there's um, a little bit of a concern there, especially as we're going into. You know, we've got five games in the next 24 days and we've got that big break and there's eight games in 35 games to finish the season. So, you know, players are going to pick up knocks. There's going to be 
going to have to be a bit of rotation there. So we just need a little bit of run, I think. We were talking, weren't we, during the break, that there's between now and that break that you just mentioned, there is going to be... I think there has to be opportunity for rotation for some of the lads. And, and you would imagine Ali McCann is one that would come in. Yeah. Well, if he doesn't, you're starting to worry, aren't you? But I think he obviously doesn't. He obviously just does not see Brown in that right wing back role. He's not even tried it, has he? Really, apart from the second half against Barnsley over the last twenty minutes or something. And you think that would open up an opportunity for McCann to get in the team, like we've talked about before? Because it was when DJ went, wasn't it, that he he played more. DJ was was on the international break. But you're not going to take DJ out of this side, are you? You know, he's the only one who's you know offensively getting you know getting into decent positions. So yeah. I'd like to see. I'd like to see it happen. I'd like to see him come on more over Ledson because he, he does seem to pick Ledson. So I'd like to see him come in more, give him more of an opportunity that way. Scouse Army. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Scouse Army. Next one then. This one's from Craig Dolan. He's asked, "Do you think there is a future for Scott Sinclair at left wing back?" Um, last three games. We've had four players play left wing back. So we've had Greg, obviously then got injured. Josh Earl. Scott yesterday, so Scott Sinclair, and then um, Andrew Hughes finished the game there. Left wing back's a massive problem for me. I think both wing backs are a problem. Um, it's nothing new to anyone, surely. The wing backs are a problem, especially with no Barkey um, for the right-sided one. Potts has done okay, don't wrong. Potts has played well in a lot of these games. Rob Peterborough is absolutely outstanding. Um Yesterday, a bit like Brownie said, he didn't get high enough, up, high enough up the pitch. But when, to be fair, when he did get high up the pitch, you know, and there's there's a couple of occasions where Set Brown and Potts have been on the like the right channel by the touchline. They've tried to link it up and play it back to Set to deliver, or play it back to Brown to deliver, and the ball in has not been the quality desired. Um, so he has actually tried to create and tried to get out Raman yesterday in that first half an hour, but. You know what he had ahead of him and what he had in the box was, was nothing there, you know, and especially when Archer and Reese were up against two fairly big centre halves yesterday in Holmes and Morrison. You know, the, the, it was just head and kick it, them two, weren't they? Let's be honest, you know, that's all they had to do in, ter- in terms of balls into the box. So, yeah, in terms of Sinclair, look, you know, I can't see us renewing his deal um, at the end of the year. Don't think anybody can. Um, Let's just see. He's playing for contract elsewhere. He's got to perform, hasn't he? Really, he's got to show that ability that he's got, and he's got to show a bit of desire to want to get a contract elsewhere. You know, what is he? Thirty-three. Um, well, thirty-two, thirty-three next month. He's got one, one last deal, hasn't he? Really, you know, whether it's here or abroad. You know, this is sort of shop window time. MLS maybe. Possibly. Um, someone mentioned yesterday his missus is going back into Curry, so he's probably going to stay UK based. Three kids at home. Um, I, th- I just think like, it's this is your time now, isn't it? You've got to be able to do something in these next thirteen games, whatever is left of the season. Um, I think yesterday, I think he played. He played better when he went back to his usual position. So to answer the mm. question, no, I can't see him at left wing back. But I think when we mixed it up yesterday and we got we played, well, we played more or less three up front, didn't we? Really, and then. Sinclair played all right, I thought, towards the end of the game. But a left wing back, I, I wouldn't say so. Jim mentioned it earlier, but I didn't actually think he had that bad a game. I know he's coming for a bit of 
bit of criticism, but I think that's perhaps a little bit of bias that some people have, which is understandable because he has done the square root of fuck all for quite a while now. That's putting it politely, if you're honest. <laughs> um, no, no, it is. I mean, he had a run of games, anyways. Come on, there was a lot of sub sub appearances. It's interesting. He's he's actually only missed four games under one. He's played minutes in every other game. He didn't, he didn't get off the bench at West Brom, home to Bristol City, away at Millwall, or away at Hull. But he's actually played in every other game under low. He's played in nine or 13 games under low. Don't really think he played that much under Frankie. Do you think the fact that our leading goal scorer from last season hasn't scored a league goal in this season says a lot about his performances? Or do you think he's perhaps been a victim of a shape change? It's got to be. It's a shape change, really, because he's not, he's not a striker. And he's he's not a wing back, so where does he play? Um, and I can't think of too many chances. Was there one against Swansea? Had a one v one. Didn't he score a cup? Didn't he score in? Uh, did he score in the League Cup? Scored in the League Cup. Yeah. Scored against Mansfield. Mansfield and, yeah. uh, was it against Morecambe? Yeah, or did know, he get two against Mansfield? I think he got two against Mansfield. Two against Mansfield. Yeah. So I think it's it. <laughs> You know, look, how do you get your form? You play games, don't you? And if you're not playing games in your right position, then you, your form tends to take a hit. So, you know, look, I think it's in our best interest if he does leave in the summer. And I think probably everybody knows that now. And we're kind of waiting for it to happen, aren't we? I think it's in his own interest as well, Bernie. Mm. Because at the end of the day, like, there's only so many times you can play play the game and, like, just not... It's just only got chin. It just hasn't worked out from has it. Got brought in to play play that wide left position in a, in a four two three one system. You know, like he did it Swansea, like he did it Celtic. Um, you know, scored that great goal against Swansea for us. You know, scored what nine goals last season in, in forty appearances. Top goal scorer last year. You know, he's got some of it, but does I it he did all right without, last season. Yeah. To be fair to him. He took his opportunity, took his chances when he can, but in a team that was lacking a lot of quality, you know that goal at Bournemouth last season was ridiculous. You know, it just that showed like what he could do. Um, probably doesn't help that like he's, he's a lot of his appearances this season. I mean, they made eight starts, made sixteen off the bench. So, and that's in all comps. You know, he played against Mansfield. He's only made six starts in the league this year. I can't really. Can't really do much when he's when he's not starting games. You know what I mean? And you can say that about a lot of players in you know, in terms of form and you know being up because it's very hard to replicate um, like match conditions in central league and in training. You know the way these players get form and get get better is by playing minutes. But when you've got twenty four registered players, you can't play all those twenty four players every week. You know what I mean? You can only play fourteen players a week. You can only start eleven of them. So it's like well. Some of these players are going to have to be bit part players, and Sinclair's just one of those. I didn't think he did bad yesterday. I think there was a lot worse players than him on the pitch. He got unlucky as well, didn't he? When he started the Sheffield United game, didn't he? Missed that one on one, and then got took off when we had a man sent off. So yeah, that you know that, that's the luck you sometimes don't get when you're in that position as well. And then we signed Archer, so he's got no chance of starting. He's probably fourth choice striker, isn't he? To be honest, Archer. Reese, Evans, Sinclair. Don't mind those as a front four. You probably do want a, an extra one in there in an ideal world, but look, it is what it is. 
yeah, two starts under under low. That's Sheffield United one, like Brownie mentioned, 39 minutes and then played 90 yesterday. But before that, his last start was actually against Blackpool. <sighs> right. When was that? October? I mean, you know, a lot of little little cameos, a lot of 10, 15, 20 minute appearances. Like, how can he, can't, can't get any sort of momentum. No, not momentum because it's the wrong word, but you know what I mean? Like, in terms of get going, in terms of like, no, use the word momentum. Fuck it. Sorry, not here. Um, he can't play to his strengths or standards when he's only getting 15, 20 minutes here and there. I feel for him in a way. Well, I don't yeah. know. No, I don't know. I do. Because I, he scored two goals all season. That was in his first appearance. And since then, he's played, what, 23 times, seven starts. And like, look at his starts. Reading at home. Oh, Reading away, sorry. Peterborough at home when we won. Morecambe away. Coventry at at home, Blackpool away, Sheffield United got dragged after 39. And then yesterday, he's played 90. That's the first time he's played 90 minutes since the Blackpool game. Right. Tough, yeah. isn't it? Tough to try and build up any kind of form steam. or steam or anything. Um, yeah, ne- next one. This one's from Martin Gorn, and he asks a bit of a double barrel question. Um, is it wise or folly to persist with a system that relies so heavily on quality wing-backs when it's widely regarded as our area of weakness? As we very rarely start well, should we not be a little bit more adaptable during this transition period? Yes and no. I mean, the issue we've got is the players we've recruited. And the players we've recruited are for the 3 5 2 shape. There's not many that, you know, we look at it yesterday and we went to a back four from making the pots change till half-time, they went back to back three. We just don't seem to have the players that are adaptable. Now, you can put square pegs in round holes, but it's not ideal, is it? Let's be honest. Um, because then you, you're going to miss players of quality within your team. So, I get it. I, I completely get it. Like, it does seem very rigid on a 3-5-2 shape and he has been at Berry and he was at Plymouth. Didn't you know When we had the Plymouth fan on, like he said, wouldn't really change his shape. You know, he's changed his shape in a couple of games. He changed his shape against Sheffield United. Changed his shape yesterday, albeit briefly. So I don't think we're overly rigid as such. I think he's playing the cards he's got in terms of like he's got players for a shape. See after the summer, you know, like like just mentioned the word transition. Then Jay, it's it is a little bit of a transition period this because. The summer is massive, you know, in terms of the players out of contracts, players that will bring in. Like, when you players are able to play more than one position, but both in a four and a three, you know, what was the quote about Liam Lindsay can only play in the back three? Well, he's played left side centre back, I think he's played centre, he can play centre back. So I think that that's sort of gone as a bit of a myth now. Be interested, could you play Lindsay and Sepp as two centre halves if you're going to drop Pat out? Because I think he's played Lindsay and, and Bauer as two central centre-backs in the back four might be asking for a little bit of trouble um, in terms of pace don't be wrong it'd be very much similar to what Reading's back four was yesterday in terms of two blockers and two stoppers as centre-halves and then you've you've got two all-right full-backs with a little bit of pace maybe not as so much quality in terms of um, Andy Edom and uh, Baba Rahman you know quality was probably missing a lot of the time for them two yesterday but like they worked hard off the ball did the basics well so I think we've probably got players at full-back, you know, Hughes, Cunningham, Earl. Probably need one more, if we're honest, in terms of, like, if we're going to lose one of them in the summer, you know, that can play left-back or left-wing-back, right-back. 
that's an issue for me. You know, who can actually play right back? Who's a natural right back in our team? Set wants to play centre half. Rafferty, Potts, Barkey, but then you're putting square pegs around holes again. You know, you're going back to the to the root cause of the problem that the players we've got are recruited for this three-five-two shape. So, look, you can wedge them in, but I don't think it's the right thing to do, if that makes sense. Unless we've nothing to play for, then you might as well put a kid in. You might as well put Josh Shearer in at right back, see what he's like. But, you know, give Mikey O'Neill a few minutes in that 10 roll. Because, you know, if we get to the last five, six games of the season, there's nothing to play for. We can't go up, we can't get down. Then let's see what they're like. You know, I think Randall's already mentioned it in terms of like, it might blood a couple of kids towards the back end of the season. Um, but yeah, are we rigid? Probably. But that's due to the cards we've got in our hand. No, not that I don't think that's ultimately completely down to the manager. Um, you know, and we have seen him be a little bit tactically flexible over in his first 18 games. So, one to watch, really, but we'll see how the summer goes. But you got to look at it, really. Is this, are we looking, is the question looking at things a little bit more short term rather than long term? So, you know, it's not necessarily the players that we haven't got now, it's the players that we have got that we need to get them used to playing a certain way. So when you do have the certain wing-backs that come in, the players that are playing now know how to play and they've practised how to play for a long period of time. So going into next season, you're probably more up to speed with it. You know, if you look at, for example, if, if Pep went into a new club, he's not going to change the way he plays, even if he hasn't got the players to do that. You know, he's going to carry on playing that way until you do get the players to do it. So do you look at it more long-term or do you look at things short-term? Short term, if we're losing in a game, it looks like he's looking to change it. But I can't see him changing it to start off a game anytime soon, to be honest. Do you think that's perhaps um, a flaw on the manager's part? Because this is a transition period and it's perhaps an opportunity for him to look at how we can maximise what we're doing. Or like you say, Adam, do you think it is just a case of there's going to be a few players here that will be here sort of longer term and it's a case of getting them up to speed with how we play and then bringing in reinforcements around that. Yeah, I think that's it. And I don't think anyone inside the club is putting pressure on Ryan Lowe to get promoted this season. But I just, it's just not going to happen, is it? There may have been a little bit of pressure yesterday externally in terms of making sure we get that that win. But I'm pretty sure Peter wouldn't have, as much as he says he doesn't like losing, I'm pretty sure he can look at the bigger picture and think, well, you know, it's next season really where we're going to have to to push on. So if Lowe's got that remit to prepare for next season, he's going to do what he, you know, he's going to stick to his guns, isn't he? Yeah, and it's always going to be possession-based with Ryan Lowe. You know, I think people get a bit twitchy about playing out from back and that. But, you know, look at the numbers. Like, we're making more passes, we're completing more passes, percentage-wise, i number. You know, we're scoring more goals. You know, what's that now? We've scored under Ryan Lowe. 15 goals in... 13 games in the league? 12 games in the league, I think it is, isn't it? Uh, so I've got 16 goals. 16 goals scored, 12 conceded in 13 league games. Oh, is it 13, is it? So, well, I might be including Cardiff, that. God knows. I can't read my scribbles anymore. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, we've just, we just got better. We've got better as a team compared to what we were. I mean, don't be wrong, Ryan Lowe isn't the finished article. If he was the finished article, he wouldn't be managing Peston North End. He'd be managing a much higher level. So, 
you know, he's going to make mistakes. He's going to have the odd game where he might ball some up. He's going to try different things. At least he's not scared to go for it. You know, that's probably the one thing I've seen since he's come in. Like, he isn't afraid to have a go. So, well, there's going to be games like what we just had yesterday where we just give ourselves too much to do in that second half. Conceded three very sloppy goals, if we're honest, from our point perspective. You could say that well worked the second and third from their perspective, but can't give Lucas Jow the freedom of the pitch for the second goal. That's just criminal. You yeah, know, and then like it's a hot knife through butter, wasn't it? Well, yeah. That little one two. One two. It's like Bauer Ledson just like what's like I'm not gonna go into it. But yeah, I wasn't impressed. Yeah. Um yeah, hopefully that answers uh, all the questions thoroughly. I think if you boys have got anything else, you, unless you boys have got anything else you want to say, sorry, then we can get on to looking at the Forest game on Tuesday. Yeah, let's get going. Let's get yeah. going. Um, do, you, do you think there's an argument still that it's perhaps, I know Brownie, you said last week that the, the Forest game was perhaps our first real test. Do you think even after defeat yesterday and the likelihood of a playoff spot becoming increasingly more unlikely do you think this is still a big test for us or do you think it's just another game and what has become or what could end up becoming a season that is just like we've just said a transition period as soon as we, as long as we've still got a chance it's always going to be a big game isn't it and I think I think given we're going to have to start beating teams above us in the table so the next two are Forest and Coventry so you've got to be looking to get six points really if you're thinking about you know, we would have liked to have got yesterday's win, but he's now putting added pressure on us for the next two games. So it's still a big game. It's still a big test. Can I see us getting six points out of the next two? Probably not. Um, but we'll see. Stranger things have happened, haven't they? Cliche alert. <laughs> I think at this point it's just on purpose now. <laughs> knowing, that, knowing that a certain someone will be getting wound up about it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think for Forest, it's probably a bad time for us to play them, really. One five out of the last seven. And the three points off Sheffield United in sixth. Um, you know, they have aspirations. I mean, you know, full credit to Steve Cooper for the job he's done there. You know, they were bottom and they were, what, six points of drift of safety when he took them over, something daft. I mean, they're absolutely flying as a team. Um, you know, last 15 games, a third in the form table, 28 points out of 15 games. Um, yeah, doing well. You know, 10 points in the last five games. <laughs> They've obviously a little bit of quality as well. Um, just a good team, aren't they? You know, you've sort of got to take that off them. Obviously, they're going to have to change the keeper because Samba had a moment of madness in that game against Stoke the other week. Just, I, I've watched it back 10, 15 times and I still can't work out why he's decided to whack someone on the back of the head. Just brain dead behaviour. Um, but yeah, James Garner is a player. He's an absolute player. So, whilst like Jed Spence and Ben and Johnson, you know, Keenan Davis will all be like the players, oh, watch out for them. Just watch out for James Garner. He's, an, he's, a, he's a baller. Um, so, yeah. You know what? It could be anything. Could win, could draw, could lose. That's football. 
um, and it's pressed. Fun, it's just typical. It's just uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's my best part of the podcast so far. Four, but, um, four defeats in eighteen, so they're a good team. Know, they're, they're a good they're team, doing well, aren't they? So yeah, I'm, and they'll be I'm, rested I'm as sound. well because obviously the Bournemouth game got postponed. Our home form is a bit of an issue, though. So you know, it's not going to be, and you know, I, I'm looking at most home games at the minute and not thinking as positively as as we've been playing away you know we're conceding a lot at home um, and we're giving ourselves a mountain to climb half the time so yeah um mm, don't know don't so, know how i feel about it a little bit of concern our home form you know i mean what we won one in six underline we've played some we've had some tough tasks in that time you know and you know we probably robbed the point against Sheffield united um the Birmingham game draw. They, they were on the back foot last fifteen minutes. Bristol City game just an end-to-end spectacle could have gone either way. Um, Huddersfield game we probably should have won, and then obviously last yesterday. So yeah, a little bit. It's just a question mark that for me, like in terms of our home form because we are. It seems like we're a little bit playing with a bit more freedom away from home. You know, our shape is probably a little bit more su- suited to a away fixture where. I suppose the home team has an expectation that they've got to attack the game. Um, and we defensively have been all right away from home, if we're honest. You know, what's that? Clean sheets at Peterborough, clean sheet at Hull, clean sheet at Millwall, clean sheet at West Brom. So four clean sheets in a row away from home. Obviously got beat at Swansea. The goal considered at Stokes an absolute one goal of the month, you know, for January in the AFL because it's an absolute rocket. You know, so our away form's pretty decent underway. You know, losing only one game. Cardiff game's a draw, really, after 90 minutes. So, sort of write that one off. It's FA Cup as well in front of no fans. So, I don't think you can really have too much judgment on that. So, Coventry game, I think it's an opportunity. They were conceded nine at home. Um, and conceded two away under low. Which is, you know, it's glaringly obvious there's, there's an issue there. Um, yeah. And that might be because we have to take the game to a team, you know, when we're leaving gaps, you know, and we're just getting exploited. I mean, if you think about the goals conceded at home, a lot are pass and move sort of goals, if you think about it, like, or scrappy ones. Like, their first one yesterday is a scrappy one we've played, led to our own downfall. It's like the part of the Red Sea for the second goal for Jow. Pass and move for the third. You know, look at the goals that Bristol City scored against us. Very much pass and move sort of goals. Um, I forgot the Barnsley goal, to be honest. I can't remember that far back. Um, the Birmingham goal off the top of my head. I the think cross, was... wasn't it? That was a cross yeah. for Hogan, I think. For Hogan, you know, late on in the game. But a decent move, you know. So it's like, yeah, that might be that might be the issue that we're just leaving ourselves a little bit too open at home. Um, I'm sure I was aware and I'm sure you'll be looking at that as a problem anyway. Yeah, what, what are your predictions then? Well, better than yours off last week, hopefully. Um, the Coventry one, I'll play make a prediction after they play Bristol City midweek. They've got Bristol City away, like the league's most in- inconsistent team. They can get battered off someone and then they can go and beat Middlesbrough yesterday, which was what I wasn't expecting. Are we recording a podcast that I don't know about? No, I'm just saying that <laughs> I'll play predict it after midweek, but at this moment in time, I'd probably say a one or draw at Coventry and. Um, <laughs> 
two one either way on Tuesday night. Brownie? Two two. That's been optimistic, I think, on Tuesday. Cov? Another one nil win away from home. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say one nil away for Cov, and I think we'll I think we'll get beat two one on Tuesday. How you getting there Tuesday? How you getting there Saturday, Brownie? I'm not going on Saturday. Oh, it's just no. It's my no birthday weekend, so I'm not going. Did you just say there's no point asking you, Jake? Yeah. Yeah, I thought I heard that. I'm out. It's uh, it's our mutual friend's head wetting on Saturday. Any excuse? I wanted to go to Coventry as well. I've not, yeah. I've not been there yet. What? No, I've never been to Coventry, no. To be fair, if you've been to Middlesbrough or you've been to Derby, it's pretty yeah. much the same ground. Well, I've been to both of them, so yeah. <laughs> Just copy and paste. Yeah. Um, it's all right. It's quite it's quite close to the M6. We should be back in a couple of hours. Hopefully back to Anton Deck Saturday night. So. Um, yeah, boys, and have you got anything else you want to add? Anything you want to finish on? Or are we are we good to wrap up? No, just um, hope for a positive week. You know, there's a lot of good things happening at the club at the minute. I think yeah. that's one thing we've got to sort of call out. You know, it might feel a bit doom and gloom after a defeat yesterday, but there's a lot of good things happening at the club at the minute. And, you know, considering where we were 12 months ago when we were locked up and not being able to get out of the house or get behind watching a game or watching on TV, I think it's it's great to be back in the ground. Um, you know, I'll never take that for granted ever again. And, you know, the club are moving forward. You know, obviously, we've not even touched on the Chris Kirch and stuff. We don't know where we're at with that at the minute. Um, well, probably as good a time as any to say that we were going to be joined by Kieran Maguire today, uh, the football finance expert and co-host of the Price of Football podcast. Um, but yeah, he's been quite badly affected by, I think, was it Storm Eunice on Friday? So he's no power. Um, but Jim informs me that the accounts are due out in the next four weeks. And obviously there's all the... The stuff rumbling along in the background about Chris Kirchner, so I think it's looking like, depending on Kieran's availability, we'll probably do like a one-off special episode, maybe a 30-minute long episode or something with Kieran covering covering the accounts when they're out and the, the Chris Kirchner, the Chris Kirchner stuff. Um, yeah. You know, there might there might be some more to talk about about that in the coming weeks, or there might not. Never know. Yeah, just wait and see. I mean last three years the accounts have come out either the first week in March second week in March or the last week in Feb so we're in that sort of time period now where I fully expect them to land on company's house sooner rather than later um, and then obviously it's just a case of seeing what the numbers look like I fully expect them to be an absolute car crash in terms of numbers like in terms of wages to turn over going through the roof probably over 200% if we're honest um, but I think it will show the the the, ne- the necessity of the next ownership if it does change to financially support the club like the Hemmings family have done over the past 12 months especially uh, because I, I fully expect to see like the loan from Grove Moore go through the roof obviously share issues we're talking about 8 million quid for that financing year and you know we this is the season where the whole campaign was played behind closed doors so it'll be very interesting to see how badly we were financially affected by that and you know Probably a question for Peter or two on the back of that as well. Just, uh, just on obviously the Kirch and stuff as well. Obviously, you weren't with us last week, Jim. But what's your what's your thoughts on the rumours doing the rounds? I think it's inevitable um, that there's going to be an ownership change over the next 18, 24 months. Um, is Chris Kirch the right man? I'm, I, I don't know. I don't. I, I've read bits about him. I'm unconvinced. Um, it's probably the best way I can put it. Um, we just got to wait and see. 
that's yeah. that's ultimately like you can't really say much more than that. Yeah, I'm just I, I don't know enough about him. You, you even read he's, he's worth five million quid or five billion quid. <laughs> I think it's you know it's very vague in terms of his actual wealth and how much he's willing to invest in a football club. Obviously, he's passed the AFL owners and directors test, which shows that he does have funds available. Whether it's his funds or other funds is remains to be seen. Seems like he's quite heavily financed by Goldman Sachs. Um, I think he got a seventy million pound investment in one of his companies over in the US. So it's one of those. If if he's willing to put his money where his mouth is and make a, a substantial offer for the football club, that's going to you know mean we change ownership or change majority ownership. It might be a case of the Hemmings family maintain a, a minority stake in the com- in the company because ultimately that's what the football club is. Um, it it just be, it's just interesting times, you know, on and off the pitch, isn't it? Really, you know, we've got loads happening on it in terms of change of style, change of players, especially this summer coming. You know, potential change of ownership, loads happening in terms of fan engagement. It's a good time to spot the football club, isn't it? Really, nothing to show is changing life. So, yeah, and on that, no. Um, thanks very much for your time boys much appreciated cheers mate cheers uh, fella yeah and as always we'll hand you over to our now uh, podcast theme tune uh, Wise Man by Reese E uh, yeah cheers boys thank you very much see you in a bit hi this is Reese E and you've been listening to From the Finney Podcast and you can now hear our single Wise Man find us on Spotify iTunes Instagram Facebook Twitter and the town end. Peace and love. the bomb.